Well, good morning to everybody. We are glad you're here this morning. And as we kind of dive into our sermon, so much of the focus of this passage is these illustrations and analogies that Paul's using. And these are always illustrations and analogies. If you're a teacher, you know they're very helpful in teaching because that picture can help people envision what you're wanting to get across to them. And this is the reason why in the Bible, if you read it, there's so many all throughout the Bible. And Jesus especially used illustrations and analogies to get truth across. And so Paul in our passage today is using these analogies along with other things, but specifically what we're going to be talking about is these analogies. He's using them to help prepare and encourage Timothy for what's ahead and remind him that it's worth it. That's embedded in each of these analogies. And so for us today, I want this passage to prepare us and encourage us in our mission as a church. And so again, we're in the midst of this this sermon and our service is focused on where God is calling us to go in this Grace for the City vision. And so you're going to hear about what more we're doing, but I want to give you uh, some short perspective from these three analogies to help prepare us. And so the big picture summary of what I want us to see this morning, you'll see on the screen, is that our mission will be difficult, but it's worth it. It's going to be difficult, but it's worth it. Now, you might think that's an interesting way to begin things, but it, it's, it, as we start seeing what Paul was trying to do for Timothy in 2 Timothy, you can understand why we're going in this place. So Paul is making the mission more clear for Timothy all throughout this letter, and he's also telling him what it's going to cost him. And so if you've been studying this passage, these passages along with us, been in our services, we've seen that this mission has been defined for Timothy thus far as following the pattern of sound words that Paul had given him to guard the good deposit of the gospel. These are some of the things that Timothy, or Paul is calling Timothy to do. And he also points to the need to invest in the next generation. And at every point, he's been reminding him of a couple things. He's been reminding him, one, that he's got to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But two, he's been reminding him that this really will cost you something. This is not easy. And so the place we come to the letter at this point, Paul is taking a more focused approach to prepare him for suffering. And that's the purpose of verse 3, right? Share in suffering as a good soldier. And he gives these three analogies. And so what I want to do for us is unpack each of these analogies briefly for us and help us to see what Paul was trying to do with Timothy and then to say, what does this mean for us today? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for each person here. I thank you that people all around this county and this region are gathering to hear your gospel and its implications for our lives. And so what we ask you to do is that we, what we have no power to do as we gather, which is to make your word come alive for us. You know where each one of us is at. You know what we need to hear today in your scriptures. And so I pray that you would make it real to us. And Father, as we look out upon this vision and what you're calling us to do and how you're calling us to mobilize and invest into our community, God, would you help these analogies, these illustrations, prepare us for that very reality? in your name that we ask these things. Amen. So we're going to start with a soldier, and you'll see verse 3 and 4 on the screen here behind me. It's the first analogy. We see Paul saying to Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And so what he's getting about here is that if you're going to join God in his mission, you're going to be taken to the front lines of a battle. And on the front lines you voluntarily have to forgo some natural comforts in life to carry out your mission. It's impossible otherwise. I mean, we see this right now in a very real and sober way in Ukraine with folks that are willing to stay and fight. And you have these IT directors, these marketing directors, all having to forego their normal everyday life and career for this bigger purpose they're fighting for. But this analogy of a soldier 
Paul's wanting to teach Timothy about single-mindedness. That's what he says when he says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. So historically in Christianity, some have tried to say what that means is that you and I can't have houses, that people uh, don't need to work secular jobs, that we need to just be solely focused on the mission in such a degree that all we do is preach God's word. And this is the beauty of knowing through all the scriptures what God teaches about life. Because when we interpret one particular passage, we've got to see it in light of the whole. And we see that God's mission is much far broader than just what I'm doing right here, right now. And on top of that, there's so many gifts he gives us that he wants us to enjoy. But what he's getting at and what he's trying to do is he's trying to help prepare Timothy for the difficulties ahead. And he's saying, listen, hardships and trials are going to come because of the mission I'm giving you. And what I want you to realize is you can't hold on to the mission and hold on to all the comforts in your life and think you're going to be able to move forward. You can't hold on to both. It's impossible. And so you're going to have to be willing to let go of some of the comforts of this life, have a single-minded, focused approach in order to carry out the mission you're doing. You're going to have to push aside some of the comfort and ease for this mission from a king that's worth it. And so for us, how do we see this for us today? Well, to engage in our mission, we really are. If we're going to move forward in what God's calling us to do, we're going to have to push aside some comforts, normal comforts that everybody in America ought to be able to enjoy, but we would push them aside for a greater purpose, a greater cause. That's the single-mindedness that Paul is getting across in this picture of a soldier. And then we see here another picture, and that's of an athlete. So verse 5 says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so to join God in his mission, Paul's saying you're going to have to have the stamina and perseverance like an athlete. So the ancient Olympics would have been very well known to the readers in Paul's day. And uh, we don't know exactly what rules he's talking about here. He could be talking about the rules that you actually had in an event that you had to compete according to those rules. Or he could be talking about there, there was actually a 10-month window. If you were going to sign up to compete in the ancient Olympic Games, you had to affirm that you prepared for 10, uh, was it 10 months, a 10-month training period to prepare for that. And I think what Paul is getting at here, irregardless of which one he's referring to, is that if you are an athlete, you have to submit yourself, voluntarily submit yourself to prepare for the work you're doing. There are certain tests of the body, of the mind, of the spirit that you have to engage in to build stamina to prepare for the event that you're going for. I know some of us, uh, not me, but I think some of you guys are runners, right? And so you run a different kind of races. And my guess is if any one of us who hadn't trained up to this point wanted to sign up for a marathon, we would be crazy to sign up for a marathon next weekend, right? It would, it would be too much to test our body to try to run, what is it, 25 miles or so, 26 miles? And so if you're going to want to compete in a marathon, you kind of got to compete according to the rules, meaning you're going to have to submit yourself to some pretty grueling training. You're going to have to test your mind and your body voluntarily in order to prepare you to give you the stamina you need for that race. And in some senses, I think what Paul's getting about here, Timothy, if you're going to compete in this as an athlete, there's a reality of the rules are you're going to suffer. You're going to endure hardship. You're going to endure some things that are going to test your stamina. And so you've got to build it up. You're going to have choices that you're going to need to make in this mission that are going to bring stresses upon your life. And Paul is saying that this is part of being an athlete. And the call here is to persevere in it. 
And so I think the lesson for us as we think about this is to engage in mission. You and I are going to need to have stamina. We're going to need to have stamina. There's nothing that's going to be gained overnight. That this mission is going to require us to make choices, to stress ourselves in some sense, to prepare us for the long haul. And that, that image there communicates that to us. And then we see a third one here as a farmer. And I know this fits well with many of you today who have, uh, who have taken upon this in your lives. Verse 6 says, It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And so to join God in the mission, we're going to have to have the work ethic and patience of a farmer. So the farmer puts in hours and hours and hours, and their reward really never, ever comes overnight. They prepare the fields, they plant the seeds, they pull the weeds, and they're doing it all for something that's totally delayed gratification, right? They're not going to see the fruits of that labor for quite some time. So they wake up, they break a sweat, they get dirty, they go to bed, they wake up, they do it all over again. There's a monotony to being a farmer. But there's a patience there. And I think Paul is wanting to prepare Timothy for the mission. And this analogy points to the perspective that he's going to need to have if he's going to carry out this mission. This, this phrase came to me. He's got to have a willingness to grind it out with patience. Like That's really what a farmer does. They grind it out with patience. And so what would this mean for Timothy? Well, if he's going to leave Ephesus where he was at and to carry on more of what Paul's doing, he's going to be going from city to city. He's going to walk into a city. He's going to need to build relationships. That's going to take time, right? He's going to be sharing the gospel with people who have a polytheistic vision of life. That's going to be a lot of weeds to break through there. And when they come to Christ, they're going to be coming with a lot of baggage that they're bringing from their previous life. That's going to take a lot of time to help them work through this gospel in their everyday life. And I think Paul has in mind here, Timothy would understand this even more so than we do because they didn't have the modern farm equipment, is that if you're going to carry out this mission, you've got to be able to grind with patience. The fruit won't come overnight. It will take lots of hard work. And so I think the lesson for us here is to engage in our mission. We are going to need to have this same perspective. We're going to have to have our, get our hands dirty and not expect fruit overnight. That's the perspective of a farmer. And what's really cool in verse 7, it's not up on the screen here, but Timothy tells, Paul tells Timothy to reflect on these analogies, just like what we're doing right now, and the Lord's going to give you insight to prepare you. And the, most of the scholars I read about that says that Timothy, or Paul wasn't giving Timothy a lot of clear direction with these analogies. He's wanting them to reflect on them, to give him a perspective to encourage him for where he is. And I think that's exactly what we're doing right now is reflecting on these analogies together. We're called to enter life and mission as soldiers, athletes, and farmers. And so where do we go from here? I want to speak specifically for a moment to this. So the context for Timothy as he was hearing these analogies is Paul was wanting him to take over for his mission. And these analogies were meant to prepare him and encourage him. One, by warning him of difficulty, but two, by saying, listen, this is going to be worth it. And if you look at these analogies, and if you've been studying along with us in our Bible studies, maybe you noticed there was two kind of commonalities, uh, maybe even more than that, but two commonalities uh, between these analogies. One is that the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, all would have to choose a not-so-easy path. Think about each of those folks. They are voluntarily choosing a not-so-easy path than those around them. I would say nothing is probably easy in the ancient Near East, right, compared to what it is now. But they were going to be even choosing a less easy path. 
to engage in the mission. So that's the, that's the first common high. But the second one is they did it for a bigger purpose. Each one of these analogies draws out the bigger reason why this is worth it. Paul's not just saying, grind it out, it's going to be hard, that's all that matters. No, he's saying, listen, you can do that because this is worth it. For the soldier, you're pleasing your commanding officer. For the athlete, you're being crowned at the end of the race. For the farmer, you're sharing in the sweet taste of the crop. Every one of those mentions difficulty and mentions the reward in the end. And so these analogies as well for us are preparing us for something difficult. And the context for us is not just moving forward in life, but moving forward with a vision that's going to call us to mobilize and invest in a certain way in our community. And I think for us, we've got to be willing to choose a more difficult path. If we're going to, as a church, carry out where God's calling us to go, it means we're going to have to get in the trenches. We're going to have to lay off some of our normal comforts we experience to build stamina, right? We're going to have to grind with patience. It's going to involve sacrifice of time, of money, of invitations into our home, of embracing situations that may be difficult and messy. And this is the voluntarily call of a soldier, of an athlete, right, of a farmer. Yet, we see it's all worth it because it's for something great and glorious. The aim of what we are after as a church is something far greater than just coming and gathering as a people, amassing all the toys we want in this world and be around people to make us feel special. That's what the world's about. That's not what we're called to as a church. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy some of the things of this world. God has given us so many gifts to enjoy, but he's saying we're not going to build our life around those gifts. We're going to build them around him as our king and his mission as our king and father. And so we see the aim of what we're after is the glory of our king. We want to please this king who has enlisted us in his army. We want to be crowned with the crown of righteousness that Paul's going to talk about later in this letter. We want to experience the fruit of what it's like to be a farmer. We are after the glory of our king and the good of our neighbor. That's what's going to move and move us forward. And that's what makes this worth it for us. And so as we move forward, we can expect it to be challenging, but we can also expect it to be worth it. And so this mission will be difficult, but it will be worth it. And so the sermon is not ending here, but I want to switch gears a little bit for us. I want to, in one sense, I've been reading for you from God's word and giving you some explanations. I want to bring up three folks who are really are living examples of the word being preached this morning. And I'm not doing that to put them on a pedestal. So many of us in here are engaged in this work as a farmer, in this work as an athlete, or as a soldier in some way. And so I want to continue what we're saying here. And I want to bring up and bring up three folks. So Chris, or sorry, Isaiah Jones, Kim Jones, and um, Brian Ellis. If you guys would come up, that would be awesome. You guys are going to come up, and we're going to hear some stories about what this looks like on the ground in our community right now with some of the initiatives we're already working for. So you guys can just grab a seat here, and uh, we'll we'll work through and, and init- uh, I'll introduce each of these folks to you and what they're doing specifically. But we're going to start with. Brian, if you just sit on the end there, that would be good since you'll be second. Um, but this is Kim Jones and Isaiah Jones, not related that I know of. Um, and they are right now with serving with FCA at the garage. And so this is something we've been doing a while. We'll have a picture on the screen here of some of the things they're doing. Um, if you serve with them in any capacity, would you guys stand up real quick so people can see you? 
If you're help, helping with the garage in any way possible. We got, I know some of y'all are in here. Yes, please stand up. We got any else? Okay, great. We have several other folks that are doing this as well. And so you guys have been every other week gathering together with a bunch of middle school and high school students from Danville and Bate. And uh, close to 30 come in on a regular basis, many of them not followers of Jesus. And so we'd love to just hear a little bit about how that's going. So I want to ask you both a question. And then, um, so Isaiah, once you start with, and Kim, I'd like for you to hear this too, is what's been a challenge for you in serving this, in this ministry as you gather together every other week? Um, first, I'll start with how I got connected with the garage. Um, I just graduated from UK this past May. And when I, while I was at UK, I, I attended FCA. Um, so I got really close to Aaron Hogue, um, who is actually from my hometown of Lincoln, which is the first reason why I started going anyway. But I enjoyed FCA while I was there at UK. Um, so coming back and Brittany and Vicky asking me to be a part of it was uh, kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, so actually starting um, FCA at the garage, uh, the, the first challenge that hit us very early was uh, the pandemic-related stuff. So um, you would have students. Um, we had a whole, whole lot of students come one week, and then two weeks later, like our numbers were cut by 70, 75%. Um, because of quarantines, um, they were scared to come because of games. They didn't want to get um, the virus. They wanted to play. So navigating that and being re being respectful to boundaries um, to the athletes was has been difficult and still remains difficult. Yeah. Um, so as we have moved it inside in the winter, one of our thoughts has been, hey, like, is this something that will be okay uh, with them? Are they going to feel comfortable uh, being inside, no mask? Because I know when they're at school, they're still in. Um, and the quarantine and the stuff going on. So that has been something to navigate, and um, it's really been all year. But that's yeah. been the biggest challenge um, I think I have seen uh, this year so far. Yeah. What about you, Kim? What, for you specifically, what's been a challenge? Um, personally, I have a hard time like just jumping in and inserting myself into you know, a large group of people. Um, and so I think for me, trying to build relationships with students who – are there with their friends and, and groups and stuff with their teams. It's been hard for me to like just jump in and build those relationships. Yeah. That's been the biggest challenge for me. Well, and many of you know, she's a mother of four. And so if anybody has a lot of kids in their house, they're, they're just leaving one chaotic environment, coming to a chaotic environment with a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers. And I think this is a great example of it. Both those are great examples as in one sense, those you're just laying to, laying down voluntarily comforts like being around people. You, I mean, you're not a middle schooler or high schooler, right? So you got to get that mindset to jump back in there and just that willingness to lay aside that comfort and ease to be able to enter back in. And even gathering, knowing that there's some risk here, right? Like we will try to take uh, precautions, but there's some risk in that you're willing to gather around people. And so that's that's really cool. Kim, why don't you continue with us? Maybe share just a way that you've been encouraged of what God's doing through the garage. Um, I think in like the bigger picture, just the fact that what's been 40-ish students, average, um, you know, these kids are coming, they're most of them, a lot of them aren't churched, um, and they're hearing the gospel every week, um, and, you know, we do like someone speaks and to the whole group as a whole, and um, then we break up into smaller groups and we kind of dig through that, dig deeper into those questions, into questions that pertain to the, the talk and so it's been really cool to see God work in that way and just um, sharing the gospel and seeds being planted. How, how have the discussion groups been for you? Just uh, 
as far as what what's been the discussion been like is because you're you're with middle schoolers right so talking through the gospel with them after the after the talks how's that been um it depends on the night some nights they're you know little giggly uh, middle schoolers who don't really don't really get it and that's okay um you know they're the seeds are being planted and that's what matters but um some nights the questions you know they dig a little deeper into their own lives and um, some of them open up a little bit more but it just depends on how they're feeling <laughs> that's awesome that's great what about you Isaiah what's what's the way you've seen God move and that you've been encouraged yeah um so I think it's oh, wow that's really loud sorry um so I think it's really um crazy to think that um Brittany and Shane have opened the church and said hey um Danville athletes 6 through 12 you guys come hear the gospel um you just come hang out every other week that's uh that's crazy to think about just uh just that in itself, um, because they have no affi- aff- affiliation with Danville Schools. We are literally just doing this as a third party. So that in itself is um, God working. And, like, the fact that Danville allows us uh, to continue doing this doing this while the pandemic's going on is awesome. Um, but me, myself, I would say the connection just built with the students. So I'm a middle school teacher, and I have, mid- I have the middle school boys. Um, it's just kind of a a no-brainer again. So I have uh, Hudson, Xander. Um, so they know where to go after um, after the talk is given to break it down. Um, they go straight to me and like seeing them every other week and building that relationship is pretty cool. And then even furthermore, um, I've, I've ran into guys at Walmart. Um, I ran into Xavier at the state tournament to, um, this week. So seeing these guys out and about in the community um, is awesome. And then you guys touched on it, but um, knowing that you're, uh, the people you're talking to um, aren't like very churched. So some of the stuff may stick, some of it might not. Uh, you just pray that you're planting the seed, much like you talked about today in your, um, in your sermon. Um, so God's, I think God is moving in that way, and I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm, we have it again tonight, and I can't wait. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's go pass it down to Brian. Brian is uh, help. We another initiative we've started with this vision is a Bait mentorship program at Bait Middle School. Um, basically, through a long process, God really showed us through a lot of folks that hey, listen, if you want to have a long-term influence community, start with a sixth grader and begin investing them over time. And the Bait at that time was very under-resourced with folks helping. Nobody helping with middle schoolers specifically in this kind of capacity. And so we started up something, and we've, Brian, along with others, meet every other week with a sixth or seventh grader and uh, that they get assigned, and they're just building a relationship. And we finally have got to get this started again out of the pandemic. So if you are serving with the Bait Mentorship Program, would you stand up if you're, if you're a mentor? No, we've got a few in here too. Yep. So we've got actually about 10 or so, and that's not counting the folks that work there full-time, like Caleb and uh, Wetmore and Emily Schweikart that are investing in these youth over the long haul as well. Um, but Brian, you know, what's, for you, what's been a challenge about serving in this ministry? You've done, it, you've done it pre-pandemic, and now we just got started again. So why don't you speak to that? Yeah, so we started in um, the fall of 19, I guess, because that was a year of sort of building relationship with the sixth grader. And, you know, the challenge for me is, you know, my middle school cool factor is never going to be high. <laughs> and as I'm getting grayer and older, it's getting lower and lower and lower. So that's the difficult, just to connect. Um, so the young man I had that year, uh, difficult situation, felt like we were making some traction, doing some things outside of school, 
And then March of 20, that comes to a screeching halt. I tried to stay connected and it just didn't really work. They moved and I think he's moved back now, but he's in a different school. So starting back up again. So I've met with, so this is just, we've just restarted this. So I've met with my young man just one time. So just that, and it's, it's a little different than, you know, most other situations I've been in before, which has been more like FCA. You know, you're doing a game, you're doing youth group, that kind of stuff. We're just sitting at a table trying to talk, you know. So we're playing chess or checkers or cards or just trying to come up with something, just trying to make a connection. And that's difficult, but it's, but it's also fun. And um, um, the young man that I have now seems interested and seems like he wants to do it. So that makes, that makes yeah. it better. So this is, I mean, your, your, your aim is to be a stable person relationship that affirms and is able to just build a relationship and if if we're you know the garage definitely is a farmer type planting seeds for the long haul I mean this one even more so and so um, for you what I mean it's just there's a lot of things buying for your time you could choose to do lots of other things with your one little chunk of time on Wednesday off what pushes you to go back to this ministry to do this? Even when before it was difficult, right? And you didn't necessarily see a lot of fruit. Why would you choose to go back in? Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's, and somehow trying to give back and trying to, to make a difference in the long haul. Just like we talked about two or three years ago, that that, that age group is so um, uh, vulnerable, you know, and it can go really either way. The, uh, the, the Rachel Hicks is the lady through the Danville school system the bait, and, at VAIT who is in charge of this and kind of heads it up. And I don't even know the process of how they select the people that we are paired with. But um, I do know that they look into lots of different factors. And so they pick the ones that they feel like, I think she explained it to me, the, the kids that really need it, but also the kids they think will respond to it. Hmm. And so um, to me that's real helpful to know that, hey, these people that know these families and know these young people are saying hey this is a person that really probably you can make a difference with um, and so just trying to remember that trying to show them uh, some love and consistency yeah um, is is just so important the other problem is that is that um, it's scheduled for two days a month and you're only there for like 35 minutes so it's just not much time so I think if, if that were it I think it would take a long time to make a difference. Hmm. So trying to do other things is, I think, important. You know, trying to go more often, trying to do things outside the school. Um, and that's all dependent on whether the family wants you to do that, and there's lots of different things that come to play. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it'll make a difference. We'll see what the Lord will do. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think these are just three pictures of when Paul is telling Timothy, hey, be an athlete, it's going to take stamina. Be a soldier, You're gonna have to, it's going to get messy. Be a farmer, you're going to have to forego and lay aside some natural comforts of life. I mean, these are examples of it, examples of what this is going to take for us in our mission. I want to show you one more slide here, and this is uh, another aspect of where we're investing over the long haul is at Center College, college students, and three numbers there that I think really, really important for us. Number 1,400 students at Center, 100 uh, international students, and 300 graduates each and every year. And um, when we think about a place we want to invest in for the long haul, We've got people from all over the world coming locally into a population that has more time than the rest of us and that are exploring different things in life and open to what long-term their life looks like. And they're sending out 300 graduates that are going to be the next generation of leaders in our community. 
It's a no-brainer. We have to invest there. We have to focus on it. And so we support Tyler and Amy Soule and Annie Sostick and uh, Mary Lou and Cam Pittman who were serving there at CCF. And it's been a restart since the pandemic. It's mostly a new staff team minus Annie. And so there's a sense where they're starting over from the ground up with freshmen. And uh, they've got almost 40 students in Bible studies right now that they're meeting with regularly. And uh, I want to share with you a video. If we'll go to the next slide. And before we click on the video, this is Tyler. Right now they have gathered to go with their staff team to take a spring break trip for center students to Destin, Florida. And it may sound like, wow, that's going to be a ton of fun. It, it is when you're a college student. But when you're a normal adult and you've got a family, that's actually not the easiest thing to do with your time. Uh, and again, the cool factor plays into it. Tyler looks cool, but he's not that cool. Uh, so the reality is, though, but for center students, this is big to get away out of the grind of everyday life and to have a chance to just talk about deeper things in life. And so Tyler's going to tell you a little bit about this opportunity. Good morning, Grace Church. This is the Soul family coming from Destin, Florida. We work with Campus Outreach, as some of you know, and we're expecting 15 students to arrive here in Destin uh, in just a couple hours. And so, Hunter, why on earth would we bring a group of college students to Destin, Florida? To teach them about Jesus. That's right. We get away from the anxiety and the crazy, busy culture of Center College, and, and we just spend a week uh, reading God's Word and spending time together doing Life on Life. We're reading through the book of Galatians, and uh, we're going to talk about the gospel every single day. So we appreciate your prayers in that. Pray that uh, there be students who believe in Christ for the first time and students that grow deeper with Him. So we appreciate you all. Thanks. There you go. All right. Will you put the next slide up of the scripture? So I want to take some time now, and I want you to pray with me. I'm going to give you a couple moments where you're at to pray, but this, our passage today uh, finishes in this way, and um, I think here we see at the end of this, this passage is Paul telling Timothy Winesworth that he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Timothy, I'm calling you to step in and forego comforts in order for the mission. Who better picture than Jesus? Not one of us would be here today apart from Jesus willing to forego the comforts of being next to the Father, to enter into the brokenness of this world, not for his friends, but his enemies, and to make a way for us, right? And he says, for which I am suffering, Paul saying, I'm suffering, boundeth with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. What a beautiful picture, right? We have great hope, because no matter what we see right in front of us that looks like a challenging obstacle, God's word is not bound not bound by any circumstance or situation that we see. And therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. They may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The ultimate aim that we long for is people to know Jesus. And that makes work, all the suffering and hardships worth it in the end. So I'm going to give you a moment just where you're at, uh, just to pray that God would bring these to fruit and praise God for who he is. And then I'll close us in prayer. Father, we come before you and we want to thank you that there is no hope that we have apart from Jesus coming to this earth and entering this world 
and he is the ultimate picture of a soldier, of an athlete, as a farmer. And I just even think about after his death and resurrection, only 120 people gathered in the upper room awaiting what's next. And to think about this mission that he gave them was to expand all nations. I mean, could, could we fathom just saying the 120 people gathered here today, that we would have an effect that would ripple across the entire world? Yet that's the very thing that happened. Because your word is not bound. And we are laboring for something bigger than ourselves. And so I pray that you would meet us today. Meet us as we go forward. Help us to have this, the mindset of a soldier, of an athlete, of a farmer. I thank you for uh, the stories of Kim and Isaiah and Tyler and Brian and so many others who are serving in so many different ways on the front lines of this mission. God, and we pray that you would make those efforts prosper for your glory. And would you continue to meet us this morning? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank y'all. Well, in March of uh, 2020, we were 10 days uh, away from the capital campaign of our uh, 10-year vision back then called Grace for the City, and we've been updating you about all of that. But what I want to do uh, at this point now is just to give a fresh, here it is again, just in the simplest and the most updated and most concise way, here's where we are as a church and how we feel like God's calling us for the next five years. Um, and so um, I want to do that. I want to go to first read to you Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. This has been the passage that we've been wrestling with for <laughs> since really 2018. What might this passage look like for us to live in light of this? And the context here of this passage is that uh, God's people were conquered and were in exile uh, in, the ba in Babylon. And uh, a people that had been murdering them, killing them, and holding them captive. And they longed to come back to Jerusalem. And so the famous passage of Jeremiah 29, 9, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, give and harm you. He promised in 70 years, I'll finally bring you back, but you're going to stay in Babylon for 70 years. And this is what he told him to do while he was there. And this is what we've wrestled with. What might it look like for us to live out this verse in our community? And by the way, we are joining with the gospel work of past and present and other wonderful churches. We just believe this is what God's uniquely calling us as Grace Presbyterian Church. So let me read the verse. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Which, by the way, notice he says sent to exile. I put you there. Grace Church, I've placed you in Danville. Sometimes I wonder, how did I wind up in Danville? But I've, he's placed me here. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give, yourself, and give your daughters in marriage that we may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. So what you see is live your vocations and raise your families. That's part of the commandment, which we've been looking at for the last year. But then we get to verse 7, sort of the kicker here. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray for the Lord on its behalf, for it is in welfare, in its welfare, that you will find your welfare. And the welfare there in the, in the, uh, in the Hebrew is shalom. It means a full peace, full peace, not just conversion. Think, but he actually called them, to, told God's people to live for the shalom of the Babylonians who were actually persecuting. Live for their prosperity. In living for their prosperity, you will find your welfare. 
as well. And notice even there the idea of pray. I do want to say as the ladies came up and pray, one of the things we view as the work of this mission is praying. And we will be praying more and more. That's part of the thing that came out of the pause in the pandemic. That we, we had been praying about it, but not viewing prayer as a work of our mission. So prayer will be a part of this working forward, and we've already started that. So here it is. Here's Grace for the City. You'll see the slide here. Grace for the City, and there's two initiatives. There used to be six. I've told you about those in the video, but there's just two. So it's Grace for the City, and then two initiatives, Mobilize and Invest. I hope that you can memorize that. I hope that that stays at your forefront. Part of my job will always be for the next four and a half years, as we're half a year into this thing, to say to you, Grace for the city, mobilize and invest. So for our responsive reading this morning, (laughs) we're going to repeat after me, all right? Grace for the city. No, wait a minute, repeat. You didn't follow that. Grace for the city. Mobilize and invest. Grace for the city. Mobilize and invest. Grace for the city. Mobilize and invest. So I want to just briefly unpack for you here just what those three mean. And we've sent out a video that for you to see and understand more specifically. But first, when we talk about mobilize, you'll see here there's just three levels to think about you mobilizing into our community. All right? We'll be doing regular church and we'll be doing all the regular things, but this is some of our emphasis, okay? And our emphasis to mobilize first will be personally, then corporately, and our resources. We want to mobilize you personally as individuals. We want to mobilize us as a church corporately and we want to mobilize our resources. So let me walk through those. First, the idea of mobilize uh, for our uh, personally. What does that look like? And what we mean for that is this, for you personally to think this way. Cultivate relationships and conversations. Where you live, work, and play, we want you to remain hospitable, be hospitable, and take risks relationally. And we're going to help you with that. We're going to do prayer and support and training and equipping, but the gospel will go forth through the relationships that you have. And the blessing and the prosperity, even if people don't believe, the shalom can come from you as individuals showing hospitality and, and, um, and having conversations for the gospel and that. So that will be the idea of what it means to mobilize personally. We'll do some training and helping and emphasis of that coming forward and training and equipping for you. Secondly, we want to mobilize corporately. And you'll see here, this was, means what do we mobilize as a church? And there's three areas of emphasis that we believe that this is our emphasis as a church. There's lots of needs in our community, more than these. But we've been studying ourselves and the community and polling you. And for the last three or four years, we've realized these are the areas that we're uniquely positioned and have a passion for to help. And they are family and kids, which will mean what you see, this garage here. The reason that fits in family and kids is because it's Danville. Uh, children, that's who they are. The Haven Care, you've seen and heard what we've done in helping there. Bait Middle School, the garage, many other things. Anything to do with family and kids, then we will get behind it. We're saying that's one thing we're a part of. Then Center College. We've had a long-time relationship. The two church planters that we've sent to Richmond are from Center College. Well, we've shared and done that. We will not say, oh, we've known them for a long time. What we hope to do is to also say, no, we're doubling down. We're uniquely positioned and have favor and have been loving that place and burned for it for a long time. And we have the staff here, and we're behind it. And, um, and so Center College will be a major emphasis for us in the next years. And then the third one you'll see there is vocation. And what we hope for this to become is that 
Part of you being mobilized is to live out your vocations where you are. That was in the very verse. And we, you may think of maybe been through some of the crown ministry uh, money training or uh, like uh, peace. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. She's, uh, I forgot. But anyway, Dave Ramsey and those type things. You think about those studies uh, that are kind of a seminar or a series of, of time of intense and training. What we hope in the next five years is that everyone here will at least go through some training and emphasis uh, for a weekend or extended period of time where they begin to understand that their vocations are one of the primary ways the kingdom of God advances in our community. And that your vocations are not just a platform to evangelize people, but they are the work of mission as well. I can't get into all of that, but we want to champion you to do better at what you're doing. And so that's what we mean by the vocations and to come and to grow that. So these areas of investments are how we will mobilize. And so the point will be, beginning of the next year, we started this before the pandemic, before everything shut down, is that as we begin the fall, is that every member at some tiered level will be a part of in these areas of investment in our particular community. You'll be volunteering and be a part, and we'll create lots of opportunities for you in these three areas. That's the area of investment, mobilizing corporately. And then also, we want to mobilize our resources. And um, you'll see here on the slide that um, an on-site ministry hub and a counseling center, those are the two things. Those fall under the family and children aspect of it. And you may remember that we bought a building thinking that we would use a site downtown uh, two years ago in order to have uh, a ministry hub there for the garage and for the other outreaches and even maybe to help the campus at some level. We've decided not to do that through a long praying. We're selling that building, and we've decided to build a site here. We have kids coming here all the time. They play basketball out here more than you can imagine, and it's uphill and by dumpsters, and we have the relationships. And so we're going to build a place for our community, not for us, for our community that we will use for the place for the garage to happen on site that will be a covered, hopefully, space of gym and soccer that will say, this is for you. The same way this goal is like uh, this, it'll be more money, obviously, and nicer. But for our community, we will build it, and hopefully to leverage our resources and our land for the good of our community and its people. Secondly, the counseling center. I don't have time to get into that. Please go back and listen to the uh, interview, uh, the video for that. But this is also in the in the in the vein of uh, family. And because of this, mental health is at an all time high in crisis. And we've decided that this must be a part of what we do. And we're going to have a two track approach where we're going to bring and train uh, lay people in our in our church to get them uh, certified and trained for lay counseling, kind of for um, crisis discipleship. And we're also going to partner with some believers who are, th who are pure, pure therapists in the secular world and begin to bring them and partner them and pay them to bring them to our community to help us with the, with the pandemic, if you will, the epidemic of the mental health crisis. And we don't know what that's going to look like in the long haul, but we believe as our elders this is something we've got to move forward. There's a lot of questions about that, but you need to hear that we're moving forward with that. Why? Because uh, that really seems to be a huge need for us. And so we're mobilizing our resources and, in order um, to do that. So mobilize personally, mobilize corporately, and then mobilize all of our resources. And there's a number of other things, if you remember, we're trying to leverage. We're trying to say, what is everything we own? How can it be leveraged for the shalom of our, of our community? And so even every space and every room, we're, there's different things we're trying to give away and let people use and help to bless and bring peace to Danville. Lastly, um, 
the um, core, you'll see here the invest side of it, the next generation of leaders in church planting in central Kentucky and Malaysia, and we're doing that, and we are already have a pastoral residency with Chris, who's about to come down front. You know as well as we've been partnering with Richmond Church, we've planted a church there with a bluegrass network that we're a part of. We hope to plant another church behind Chris, and then also been developing the next leaders. Also, our partners, our brothers with CD, uh, CDPC uh, in... Uh, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, they're planning the church with the Rohingya folks and we're partnering with them. So our invest in the next generation leaders church planning in that. So for a moment here, uh, as we wrap up and come to the end, uh, well, I want to bring Chris Jones down and he's going to uh, share just for a second. I'm going to ask him a couple of questions here about what it's been like to be our resident. We have already started. So this is the odd thing. It's uh, Our vision has already started, but we're just reminding us of it today and doing it. Come on down, Chris, and grab a microphone, and uh, we want to hear from you. Now, he is married to the Kim Jones that was up here, not, not, um, not Isaiah. <laughs> All right, Chris, um, we know you. We love you. You've been at, but just revisit just for a minute, uh, yourself, what, um, just your own ver- vision for being a church planner, and how did that kind of come about, and sort of tell us, you know, how God called you. Uh, so long story short, because I could talk about this all day, <clears throat> 2008, I sensed a call to preach, and my dad said, if you're going to preach, you're not just going to stand in a pulpit and talk to people, you've got to shepherd people, and uh, that stu- stu- stuck with me, mm. and then um, had a friend that's actually here, John Elliott, brought me into his home in 2012 and was showing me what it's like to live life in community. And uh, we threw the idea around of what it would be like to church plant, to have people come together week after week, preach the gospel, feed Christ's sheep. And uh, since 2012, 10 years ago, uh, God has really stirred me up to just take the gospel to Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. And through that, the, the scripture that has stood out to me is the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And people have said, you could go to the big city. You could go to Louisville. I've had churches in Colorado, Indiana, ask me to come pastor, uh, consider re- doing this work with them. But God has stirred Kim and I up for Harrodsburg. He's stirred us up for rural ministry in the middle of nowhere. Nobody cares about us, but we care because this is where we're from. These are the people we love. Amen. I'm thankful for that, by the way. Awesome. Can we, we get to keep you. Um, so <laughs> then, uh, so why did you, uh, so you've been in the pastoral residency here. Why did you say yes to that? Why don't you say that? So Kim and I, when we found out about the residency, we were like, this is a dream come true. Because I have four children. I, we're a single income family. So I've not been able to afford seminary. And even if I could afford it, I don't have the time. And uh, so when Shane brought this up. It was, a, it was an opportunity to be trained up, to be invested in, to have somebody overseeing the process of me going from regular congregation member to a pastor uh, without going the seminary route because I, don't, I just don't have the resources. So hearing that I could come preach, come be trained, come be mentored, come learn how to serve and love a church, to be able to walk through the process on the ground not from, you know, the ivory tower. I love seminary. I think it's great. But to be trained on the ground like a, a soldier in basic training, mm-hmm. I wanted something like that. And so whenever you offered this opportunity to me, we considered it. We prayed about it. We worked some things out, and it's just been a huge blessing. It, it's, it's what I've been looking for for probably five years. Yeah. Well, 
blessing is us, and we're glad to partner with you. And it was uh, holistic; wasn't just me. It was a lot of uh, leadership and a lot of folks weighed in. And it was, but it was a no-brainer, and we're thankful. So tell us, tell them a little bit about what your residency looks like, things you've been doing, and uh, even a couple of things you've learned. Awesome. So what I've been doing, the, the coolest part about the residency is uh, I get to meet with Kevin biweekly. And one of the chief things, one of my biggest wins is actually relationships. It's getting coffee with people. It's having lunch with folks. It's getting to know people because ministry in rural spaces is very slow. And Kevin has been quick to remind me, you've got to get to know people. You've got to love people. You've got to gain their trust. And so uh, meeting with people, building relationships, uh, he's been training me up in contextualization of the gospel. So how do we take this gospel we know and apply it to the communities that we live in? So that's been really good. Uh, there's been mentorship with Kevin and Shane and others in the church just pouring into me, asking me questions. How's your marriage? Are you investing time with Kim? How's parenting? And just having real conversations. And I think it's been really good to be able to connect at breakfast and to be able to say as pastors, I struggle with parenting. What can you do? I struggle with uh, preaching with this aspect. What can I do? And, and to get feedback on all of those things has been great. But I've also been able to, uh, to lead Bible studies. I've been able to help with the garage. I've been asked to come up with curriculum to train the growth and connection. So I'm getting to see the ins and outs of all of these different aspects of what Grace Church does. And it's preparing me to know what's going to go on in a church plant. So not just the preaching element, which I love and I get to participate in, but really what's going on outside of that. Opportunities to call and check in with our, our community groups and our Bible study leaders. Just There's so many opportunities I'm getting. I'm getting to learn what it's like to be a pastor. So great. Yeah. And we've also, you've been a part of the garage thing. It's been fun to have you show up. And y'all don't even know him and Andrew have had studies. Andrew's having studies with guys that um, I think most people will be surprised those students are even having or getting in the word with him, and um, it's been some sweet kind of fruit coming from everything. Yeah. And so I'm very thankful for your presence and being there. So, Sean, would you stand up and pray for Chris and thank the Lord for him and pray for that as we go forward, and then I'll be wrapping up our service. And one last thing, you all as a congregation have shown me what it's like to be loved by a church because I basically came in, you all knew me a little, some of you did, but a lot of you didn't, and you all have embraced me not as the pastoral resident but as your pastoral resident, and I feel the love and very thankful for that as well. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, well, I hope that encourages you that we have things going on, we have more to do. The vision has started. And we're bringing that we've, the Lord's given us clarity this last.
this last four months. We've had some questions which we've had answered. And as we move forward now, what are the next steps? And I just want to give those to you so that you know how to be praying. I hope that your heart is stirring and that you've heard from God's Word as, as Kevin preached to us this morning as we weigh the comforts and the, um, and the call that God has for us as we remember Christ to give us the strength to do it. And so here are a couple of the next steps uh, for everyone. First of all, uh, let me just show you that the, um, uh, what, the, uh, what, the, what the capital campaign will be. You'll see here it will be $500,000 that we're trying to raise. And so that's down from 700, uh, which was what we initially started, but that's where we are. And you'll see the breakdown that the Mobilize initiatives, which will be a large chunk of that, is trying to get a facility here, a ministry hub. The counseling stuff is wrapped up in that. Uh, we have a one- to two-year kind of payment plan for that. We'll answer more of the questions of the specifics. But then the invest initiatives with church planning and getting guys here and investing in them and paying them so that they can, they can get trained and grow and plant churches and even get behind their churches. This is what we feel like for the next... Um, Five years uh, is a number that will help us, and we'll answer more in the future. But be thinking about that, all right? So then the next steps also is that there will be a packet for you uh, that will be handed out. If you haven't received, it will be in the back there. And as we have the potluck and as we hang out, please take one of these. It will have more information, more detailed with you, for you. And then there's some important dates. Um, you'll see here on Sunday, 327, next Sunday before the church, we're going to have uh, some question and answer time. And so we couldn't answer all the questions today, and you may have some more clarity you want. Any question about anything, we're going to offer a couple of times on uh, 327 and 330 at 6 p.m. Uh, those Wednesday on those two times to come and just ask and process and get more clarity as you pray and think about how the Lord will want you to give and be a part of our uh, of this grace for the city vision. And then on 424 will be Commitment Sunday. And that's where we'll all, including me and all of us, will come and make our commitment what we feel like the Lord wants us to give towards this particular amount, outside of our, uh, our normal giving, but something towards this particular grace uh, for the city vision. And I look forward to that Sunday doing that with you. We were 10 days short of that two years ago. And so, Lord willing, we'll make it to 424 and uh, for this amount. So that's... Um, also, the last thing here is that the stages of launch that you need to see here is that we will begin to um, uh, launch all these different components, and you'll get more clarity of how to be a part, what does it mean to be involved, if I want to be involved with Center, if I want to be involved with some of the family stuff, if I want to, the vocation stuff. You'll see these things incrementally start coming out. This summer, we'll help mobilize personally to our spheres of influence, and then we'll be, hopefully we can start with the ministry site hub to have... Uh, get that going. Then we'll mobilize corporately in the fall of 2022 with our areas of investment, family and kids, college and vocation. Begin our efforts on the counseling initiative, which you can ask more questions about. And of course, our residency will continue uh, with, for Chris and our partnership with him uh, and as well with, uh, with um, the Richmond Church that we've planted. So uh, that being said, make sure you get this. And I'm going to pray as the music team comes back up, and we'll, we'll uh, for the first time, have a potluck <laughs> since, since the pandemic. Let me pray. God, um, thank you for calling us to something outside of our comfort. And Father, I, I confess the vulnerability and the fears that I have around the risk of trying to live for the shalom of our city. And what might be the hardships of that? What might be the difficulty? I find my heart resistant at times. And so, Lord, but would you please have mercy and help us? And 
it genuinely seems like, God, that you are calling us to this vision. We believe you have. And so we look to you to provide. We look to you for wisdom. In many ways, it doesn't seem like the perfect timing. The, the economy, wars around us, the culture debates. But God, we don't want to retreat. We want to move forward. And I'm mindful that it seemed like Nero was, and Rome was winning when Paul was writing this letter to Timothy. And yet, your church would explode throughout the Roman Empire for the next 200 years. And so, God, we, are, we confess we're just one part of your kingdom advancing in this place. But we are a part. And so would you help us, dear Lord, to live by faith? And would you use us for your fame and for your glory? In all these places, we feel like you're calling us to the fingerprints of the kingdom to advance. Would you let it to every small mentor meeting, to every vocational empowering moment where people would live as in their professions? In all those places, would you bring shalom to Danville? And would you use us? And would you transform us? And that we believe that we do believe that promise that we shall find our shalom as well there. So meet us there. I pray you'd meet the families and individuals, our children, us as groups. God, use us for your fame and glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.